The following audio is from Central Christian Church located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
No. 
many of you read Don's article this week? A few of you. Well, I want to talk to you about something that he was talking about, our ears, okay? Uh, if you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, you might grab it and turn to Genesis 1. I just want to point out a pattern that's there. In verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God called the expanse heaven. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation and plants. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. And let birds multiply on the earth. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Notice all of that he just said, and it happened. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice he made man. He told them to be fruitful like he did everything else, but he also said rule. He didn't tell anybody else to do that. He goes on and said, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Now let's skip over to chapter 2. And there's a new creation story there. And it says in verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Notice again, this is a very personal thing. He formed this man and breathed into him. Everything else he just spoke. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, <clears throat> the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, notice another thing there. All the trees looked good. The Lord God took, a man, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, I'll make him a helper fit for him. He didn't do that for any of the animals. They just were. But he took special care when he created man. So you hear the pattern in what I was reading. God said, God said. What sensory organ do we use 
to hear. Well, the ear, of course. So now, a little farther along, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Notice he's talking. It's not God anymore. It's a serpent and it's the woman. And did either one of them get it right? They neither one said what God said. Now what else is said? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Wasn't she already able to see? And whose image were they created in? God's. So they were already like God. They were assigned to rule, like I already pointed out. And that wasn't given to any of the other animals. And God had already defined what was good and evil. Don't eat that. Eat this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They were naked already. They were naked and unashamed and now they're naked but they are ashamed. Their intimacy and their innocence has been destroyed. And which sensory organ did we switch to? The eyes. It looked good. Folks, there are things in the world that look good. And somebody may even tell you they are good, but they'll kill you. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now, in addition to, to being naked and ashamed, notice they're also afraid. Fear has entered the picture. So God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Right away, they're passing blame back and forth. There's discord. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So God's promising right there that at some point the serpent's going to be destroyed, but not yet. He's still out there. He's still giving us lies and twisting the truth, telling us that we aren't who God says we are, just like we've been singing 
To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And that word childbearing in Hebrew, it's not referring to um, labor pains. No, it's referring instead to conception. In other words, now the relationship between women and men has been damaged. The emotional stresses and strains of relationship are going to cause difficulties between them that will interfere with their intimate relationships. And notice that her desire is going to be different than his, and he's going to want to rule over her. Conflict that was never intended. And it's not as a result of anything God has done. It's because of their disobedience. And if we keep reading in Genesis and on, we find multiple wives, wives jealous of each other, children trying to jockey for first place, all kinds of deceptions and scheming and men using women in inappropriate ways and women scheming against their husbands. And all that stuff still goes on today when we listen to the wrong voices. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken for your dust, and to dust you'll return. Before this, things just grew of their own accord. There wasn't any struggle to get the trees to grow and produce. There wasn't any struggle for any of that. But every farmer in this room can tell you it isn't that way anymore. It takes a lot of hard work to get things to grow. Read on. The man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Back up just a second to chapter 2 and verse 23. How did he describe his wife then? This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. She was flesh of his flesh. God had already said that man should leave his father and mother and become one flesh with his wife. But notice now, he talks about her function. She's a baby-producing machine, which leads to men misusing women and all the rest of that stuff that I talked about. The innocence and intimacy is totally destroyed. So now the point of all of this. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Our intimacy with God has been put in a strain by our disobedience, and our relationships with each other are damaged by our fleshly ways. So let me ask you, what are you using to make the decisions in your life? Are you listening to the voice of God or the voice of your flesh? Are you using your eyes and taking what looks good, what seems reasonable, sensible or are you closing your eyes to the world around you and listening to the voice of truth 
Proverbs 14.2 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word tells us that you would not withhold any good thing from us, that you have supplied us with everything we need to live a life of godliness. Thank you that through the blood of Christ, we can have that intimacy restored with you and that you will guide us in restoring and maintaining intimacy with each other. We ask that you would help us to truly experience communion with you so that we can re- you can restore that communion between us and our brothers and sisters. Help us to listen to your voice and not to the voices that scream so loudly all around us Instead, help us to remember that you were not in the storm or the earthquake, but in the still, small voice. So help us to be quiet and hear you. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Her name is Jill. She worked for United Airlines in Denver, and I think she deserves an award. It was one of those weekends where... Flights get canceled. Yeah, you ever been there? You know, you're coming back from the Dominican and you're three hours late and I'm not bitter. Uh, you know, and you get stuck there and everybody's trying to change flights and there's a long and she's working there at the counter and everybody's coming up and, and this businessman cuts through wearing a suit, slams his ticket down on the counter and says, I need to be on this flight. I need it right now. I need it in first class. And Jill, very good customer service says, Sir, I understand. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's trying to deal with things. I got a line of people here. Let me get a few of these through, and I will do what I can to accommodate you. And then he played that card. You know the card he played. Do you know who I am? And Jill very calmly reached over and picked up the microphone and said, Ladies and gentlemen, can you help me out? We have a man up here who has no idea who he is. You could help us out, come recognize him. We've been talking about identity theft, and part of the reason this subject is so big is we don't really know who we are. We don't know exactly what we stand for. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. If you're joining us on the radio, joining us online, I hope you have your Bibles out. We're a Bible-believing church. We're a Bible-using church. So um, lift them up, lift them up. We want to see. I don't care if it's an apple or, you know, whatever kind it is. And we, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. We don't see who we really are. Now, we know a lot about what we're supposed to be. We know a lot about what we ought to do. But God only calls us what we are now, not what we will be. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. In fact, if you want to pick up at the last part of 8, they stumble. They is meaning us, people that don't listen to the Lord. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But, verse 9, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. God only calls us what we are now, not what we're going to be. Did you hear that? God calls us what we are now. 
not what we will be. Now, the Bible has a habit of renaming people. Do you realize that? In the Old Testament, uh, Abram, okay, you're no longer going to be Abram. You're going to be Abraham. Uh, Jacob, you're no longer going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel now. Carries on into the New Testament. Simon, we're going we're gonna to change you. It's what we called you as your nickname, Petra, Peter. We're going to call you Peter. Saul, Saul that killed Christians, is now Paul that leads people to Christ. You, you see the renaming? He, he's taking an old and making it new. But when God renames you, he discards the old name. He doesn't call you that anymore because you're not that person anymore. You ever wonder what God calls you? Before you came to Jesus, there are names. God calls us uh, different names in Scripture, what you used to be to God before we came to Jesus. In James chapter 4, you're called an enemy. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. You've been called an object of wrath. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, we are by our nature objects of God's wrath. We are against God. This is, that's in our, our DNA we, when, because we are fallen men and women. You've been called darkness. You were formerly darkness in Ephesians, but now you are the light of the world. Do you know he called you a loogie? In, in Revelation, he said, if you're not hot and cold, that's what he's going to do to you. That's what you've been called, all right? Those are the names that you have without Jesus. But our enemy takes some of the truth and twists it. Now, I, I don't believe our enemy really comes straight at us. Now, I was raised in the 70s, 80s. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Anton LaVey? Anton LaVey started a thing called the Church of Satan. Now, when I was growing up, teenagers, we went to youth rallies, and all they ever talked about is don't do this, don't do this. We didn't have the internet. It was out in California. We didn't even know what it was, all right? It, it was this guy that started this cult, and, and he wrote a thing called the Satanic Bible. And they wore the black, and he wore the horns, and he was really a freaky, weirdo dude. He died in the 90s. It was, it, it's just a minimalist thing. But see, I always, even as a teenager, I was like, that's kind of goofy. I mean, if we know the Lord, he's not going to come at us fully front on going, you better hail Satan, you better... Because we're all going to look at him and laugh. That's not how our enemy is going to work. He's trying to get our focus off of God. He's called in Scripture the father of lies. And it started that way at the very beginning, the stuff that Scott was sharing. In the Garden of Eden, did the serpent tell Eve to eat the apple? No, you just read it. He didn't tell her to do that. He... He started twisting what was there. There was some truth there. God told him, hey, eat anything you want. You can have anything you want except that tree right there. And the, and the serpent comes in and says, what's he trying to keep from you? You see, there was some truth to that. He did not want you in that tree, but they twisted. Oh, he's trying to keep stuff from you. He's trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to keep you from knowing what's going on. But, but, but he's told us not to do it. Oh, you're not going to die. Surely you won't die. It's not that big of a deal. He takes truth and then he twists it and he causes us to doubt our identity. To doubt that we're known. To doubt that we are called. You see, our enemy will take your past, an action of yours, and he will twist it. 
He'll call you names, something that may or may not be true, but he'll call you something. Many in this room and many online have had to deal with the word divorce. But he will take that word and then he will look at you and say, see, nobody's ever going to love you again. You blew it. You're worthless. You're, you're messed up. You're damaged goods. You couldn't possibly be valuable. He might whisper in you about your weight. Look at all those other people. Their diets are working. Yours aren't because you just can't get it done. You're not good enough. You're not enough. You're not pretty enough. Maybe you've been part of a failed business. A job situation did not work out great. He takes a word in there, failed, and he twists it and makes it failure. Oh, you blew it. You can't do that anymore. You're worthless. You'll never be able to do that again. That's, that, it's just not going to work. You hearing what I'm saying? We look at the word like abortion. And most of us in here understand God is pro-life. And we look at some of those words and we say, oh, and we shake our heads. But there are people in our own church family that have had to deal with this up close and personal, either in their life or some family member's life. And all they hear is, you're too far. You're too worthless. That's too far. God could not possibly love you. There's no hope for you. You see, our enemy tries to steal our identity in Christ. He, starts, he tries to bring up all that you once were. But did you hear one of the first songs we sang today? Though oceans may rise over my head. Can't change what you said. You said, I'm valuable. You said, I'm lovable. Can't change that. Charlie Waters was a uh, safety for the Dallas Cowboys for a long time. Cliff Harris and Charlie Waters were part of the Doomsday defense, and uh, he wrote a book. and I, I remember this story this week. He he actually tells in his book about playing football at Clemson. He was at Clemson, and uh, the head coach was Frank Howard, and uh, was kind of a Yogi Berra kind of a coach. And so Frank is the the coach. They got a big game coming up this weekend against South Carolina or somebody, and and they have five quarterbacks on the roster. But number one and number four are out for injury, so they really only have three on the on the roster. And they start practice on Monday afternoon. They're not 20 minutes in, and the and number two goes down with a knee injury, so they card him off. They bring out three. They, they get going. Not 20 minutes after that, he goes down with a catastrophic ankle injury, and we are in trouble. All right? So they get him off the field. They get the, you know, everybody to treat him, and they get him all together. And so they bring up number five, freshman, straight out of high school, barely has even seen the playbook. And he, he doesn't know what's going on. And so he put, coach puts his arm around him, calls the whole team up, and says, Son, do you believe in magic? You're a freshman in college? Oh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, I guess. And he goes, abracadabra poof, you're a starting quarterback. <laughs> in that moment, the coach positionally changed that person. You hear me? He, he namely changed that person. He changed the status of that person. You're lo no longer number five, you're number one. You're no longer unknown down at the end. Your position is here. And our God does the very same thing. When you come to Him, you are His. Somebody needs to hear that today. Because you don't feel it. You've been coming to church for years. And you just said, 
You're talking about the good people, Don. No. We're talking about the people. We are His children. You have been positionally changed. Your status has changed. But the enemy keeps trying to draw you back to where you were. Question. What is he whispering to you? What is the enemy whispering to you? Let me pick on our teenagers. You've heard for three days that you're known, that you're loved, that you're valuable, that you're his child. And you come in here and we're wearing our matching shirts. Do you hear it? Because the enemy's saying, no, you're not as cool as all them other people. Don't listen. Don't let him pull you back to that. Maybe he's, he's telling you lies. Maybe he's whispering lies and saying, it's no big deal. Nothing's going to happen. Maybe he's twisting it and getting you to doubt what God has already said. I will be with you always. But the enemy comes in and whispers, what are you going to do about it? Did you hear the change? Because we say, well, God, I'm, live, I'm giving that to you. And the enemy's like, but how are you going to survive it? How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to fix it? You hearing me? And the enemy is whispering this. He starts bringing up your past, all the things that you've done. And he tries to call you this. But Peter calls you, in the Bible, a chosen people. You're not an accident. God chose you. He knows all you've done. And he chose you anyway. John chapter 15, verse 16, You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. We talked about this last week, that He chose you and He factored in your stupidity. He already knows you're going to blow it. He already knows. That's one of the most comforting things I've ever heard. He knows you and He understands our innate need to be chosen. How many of you remember being on the playground and picking teams? Oh, that's a fun day, isn't it? The worst day. If you're, a, if you're a jock, it's a great day, all right? We don't really care, all right? But if you're a jock wannabe that's like a giant giraffe out there that has zero skills, this is torture. Line up on the fence. It's time for public humiliation. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just all what that's about, right? Uh, all right, we'll take the blind guy if you'll take Thomas, all right? Yeah, okay, we'll take it. I hated those days, except two days a month. Two days of the month. You know why? Because my best friends, Greg and Keith, were jocks, and they were good. And they were smart. They're not going to waste a first-round draft choice on me, all right? But come third round, they're throwing a third-rounder at me because I'm their friend, right? So I know if Greg or Keith is picking, I'm getting out there sooner, all right? It's, it's fun to be chosen. It's special. He didn't choose you out of an enormous pack. He didn't, he was not a rancher standing there going, all right, I'll take all that herd. He's picking you. You're not off the rack. You're custom fit. You need to hear that. You're like, what does that matter? Because the enemy tries to get you to think back and work harder. He tries to drag you to things that don't matter. He'll say, he'll whisper and you'll hear, well, if Man, if I'm more holy and I could erase my past, maybe God would like me. Man, if I go do more churchy things, maybe God will notice me. Friends, He already sees you. He already knows you. He is molding you. We are canvas. We are clay. He is an artist. Don't listen to what the enemy says. 
Don't listen to what the, the friends and the culture and the popularity say. You listen to what God says. You are chosen. Peter says you are royal priests and a holy nation. Did you hear that phrase? Listen closely now. That phrase is not a reference to America. I know we want to, but sometimes people go, yeah, it's a holy nation. Folks, that's never talked about America. Now, I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. I won't forget the men who died and gave that right to me. I know all the lyrics to the song, all right? That's not what this is about. He's, he's trying to get us to see in our heart, in our being, what he has called us. The Greek word is ekklesia for the church, the called out. It's the word we get holy from. Holy and set apart. You are special. You were bought with a price. Your sins were many. His mercy is more. Let me see if I can illustrate how special you are and how you were bought for a purpose. And you're set apart in a holiness. I invite you over to my house. We come, you come over for dinner or whatever. In our den, we got a couch. and we got, There's a big kind of grayish chair over in the corner. Uh, it's a big chair. It's called the big chair. And it's my chair, all right? Everybody knows, all my kids know it's my chair because my wife and my kids sit on it and it's huge and they look like Edith Ann. They're just, their legs dangle off the front of it, all right? And my kids will sit on it every once in a while, I'll go tickle them, but they know that's, that's my chair. If you come to my house and, and we're visiting and I look away and you go sit in my chair, it's not that big a deal. That's low-level holiness, okay? That's set apart in a low-level way. Maybe you want something to drink, you go in the kitchen, you open the, the cabinet doors, and you get a coffee mug out of there, and it's, maybe it's my coffee mug. It's no big deal. That's low-level holiness. We got lots of coffee mugs, all right? And, and you're going to spend the night, and we're getting you set up in the room, and we're getting everything, and, and you come in and you say, Don, I forgot my toothbrush. Can I use yours? You just cross the line, all right? Uh, that's high-level holiness, all right? That is set apart for one purpose, me, all right? I don't share, all right? Joey doesn't share food. I don't share toothbrushes, all right? Peter says you are set apart to show the goodness of God. Did you notice that? Look back there in Second Peter, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9. You were set apart, set apart for the purpose of showing how good our God is. But sometimes we get set apart and set against mixed up. You hearing me? Set apart. But sometimes we bow our back and we're going to show you people. I love this quote from D.L. Moody. Holy lives produce impressions. Lighthouses don't have horns. They just shine. I wonder, do we make noise but only hold out a little bitty Bic lighter? You are salt. You are the light of the world. And I want you to please note one word that Peter uses here. It's the word are. A-R-E, are. God only calls us what we are, not what we will be. Please look real close. Note what Peter does not say. He does not say, you should be holy. He does not say, you ought to be priest-like. He says, you are those things right now. You are. Go act like it. 
So you might be sitting here going, well, Don, what does all this mean? Was it, what, how does this affect me? What am I supposed to do about it? Glance down. We didn't read it, but look all the way down to verse 11. You got your Bibles open. You got your app open. Look down there, verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, we're going to talk about that phrase. Some of yours says aliens. We'll talk about that later. To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. He's giving you activities to do. Look at how the world acts and don't act like that. Listen to what Scott said earlier. Where, where are your decisions being made? Are they with your eyes? Are they with your ears? Are they with what sounds good and feels good? Or is it what he has said? Because some people come to Jesus, and I want you to listen. Some people come to Jesus, and they go to church, and they go, okay, I like God, that's good, I'm going to go on about my life. That doesn't work that way. If you come to him, there is going to be a change. There has to be a change. There has to be lifestyle changes. We cannot just go on about our business. We've got to change our attitude. We've got to change how we focus. Let me see if I can put it this way. When God created the world, and all the stuff that Scott was talking about, when God created the world, what were the agents with which he did this creation? I'll save you the time. There were two things. It said his spirit hovered over the water, and then his words made it happen. Did you hear that? His spirit was over the water, and he said, let there be light. And he said it, and it happened. Let there be fish, and let there be trees, and let... And he used his word and his spirit. Now stick with me now. If he's going to recreate you, you listening to me? If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A, a used creation? A, we ran you through the car wash. You're, you're a cleaned up creation. You are a new creation. Well, if, how is he going to recreate you then? He's going to use his spirit and his words his words will change our heart i'm going to say something some of you are going to want to throw stuff at me so listen listen really close for the next few minutes i'm going to tell you something that's that oprah and dr phil will not teach you you do not need a good self-image now some of you in my counseling background and they're like wait a minute wait wait where are you talking about before you throw stuff at me you need a God self-image. You need to view yourself in the mirror, teenagers, how God views you. Senior citizens, you need to view yourself as God views you. You are not old. You are not washed up. You are not worthless. You are not too young. You are valuable. You are His children. Do you realize there are going to be over 4,000 self 4,000 self-help titles added to Barnes & Noble's catalog this year. I looked it up this week. From 2015 to 2020. In 2015, they had 31,000 self-help books in their, Bible, in, their, in their library. By 2000, it had gone to 87,500 plus in five years. Wow. That is a whole lot of people trying to find happy, trying to find purpose, trying to find value. You hearing me? Our world identifies you in two 
two ways, one of two ways, if you only get this, listen to this. They identify you outside of this building and outside of dealing with Jesus in two ways. Appearance, performance. Are you pretty? Can you hit a home run? Can you run a business? Can you, do you look the part of a happy family? You hearing me? That's how the world identifies you. Don't listen to that garbage. You don't need a good self-image. You need a God image. That he knew you in the womb, Jeremiah says. He, knew, he knows everything about you. You're going, well, why didn't he? Hey, that's not my department. Is why he built you the way he built you. All right, But he built you and me in very special ways. Augustine of Hippo was a great leader in church history. He was a writer, a theologian. He was around, uh, lived around the early 300s. But before he came to Christ, he was an immoral degenerate. Alcohol, womanizer, everything bad you could think of. The story is told, though, that as he came to know Jesus, he was truly changed. He was in Milan one day walking down the street, and a woman of uh, repute that he was formerly associated with. Are you tracking me? I'm trying to keep this G-rated for the radio version, all right? A woman of that background that he knew saw, her, saw him walking down the street and jumped out of the store and said, uh, Augustine, it is I, Cassia. It's great to see you. And he just kept on walking. And she called out again thinking maybe he didn't hear her. Augustine, it is I, Cassia. It is great to see you. He kept on walking. One more time, Augustine, it is I. And without looking back, Augustine said, but it is not I. I am no longer that person. Some of you are carrying in here the old person, the old addictions, the old habits. You're hanging on to them. God says those are dead. Some of you are putting them on life support. Need to pull the plug. God is calling us to change, not to work harder to be a Christian, but to walk harder with Him. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer that guy. I'm no longer that bat, that label. Don't you dare listen to those earthly labels when God says you're chosen. You're special. You're royal. You're holy. And let's go live that way. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.